Father, we love you and we thank you for this opportunity to come before your throne. It's always good to be home. We know we're welcome here because of your blood, nothing we've done. It's your mercy that brings us here each and every time that we gather together. We honor you. We love you. We thank you. We bless you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen and praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God. Miss Pat, before you leave today, I need to get some information from you uh, in a dress. So, yeah, so I just need to get that. But if we can get it, if we miss each other, text me later and we'll get it straightened out. So praise God. Amen. Amen. So we're talking now uh, again about the intercessor. And how intercessors are called and <clears throat> how the call goes out in the realm of the spirit. And this is something that uh, is, is um, uh, I guess, unique to God. It's something that's not well understood. Uh, a lot of times we'll see changes happen, spiritual changes, or we'll see uh, things improving and getting better and, and we'll think to ourselves, well, somebody must be praying or, you know, if you're an intercessor and you are engaged in prayer, you look forward to hearing good reports about the things that you pray about because you want to make sure the prayers are being answered and that you are praying accurately and you're being faithful to what God's called you to do. And so we're just um, uh, people who are uh, we're here in the natural, but we're not natural people. Uh, we're here in reality in the in the natural realm, but this isn't all that we have access to, and this isn't all that we're about. And so, this business of intercession and the call to intercession is something unique that God has ordained so that He can get His work done here on earth. Uh, he has to employ uh, uh, people here in order to get heaven's response and get changes that he wants to bring into the earth. Um, it's uh, something that's kind of unique in that it's the effects can be seen in the natural, but it doesn't all originate in the natural, and it's not done by natural means. And so the supernatural is that way. Um all of the work that God does is in the invisible realm. We just see the effects of it here in the natural when it manifests, but the actual work is done in the invisible realm. And that's a blessing there because it gets done perfectly that way. Amen. There's no flaws in it. There's no human failure in it. There's no human element in it. It gets done perfectly. Uh, because it's something that God initiates, he brings forth, he takes care of. All of this is done supernaturally by the hand of God and by the will of God. And so this is something we have to understand about uh, the invisible realm. Many times we'll see changes happen, and they kind of uh, take us by surprise. We think, wow, so and so and such and such and we we're we're all excited about it and we're glad about it if it's a good report a good change we're excited about it and and so we we start to understand that there's something else going on here uh that we have even though we participate in it we do not have control over it 
we did not initiate it. We did not. We do not have full authority over it. It's 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 ministered over <clears throat> by Jesus uh, and the Holy Spirit, and uh, it's something. It's a phenomenon that we we have to just have faith to wait for results if we're going to know. Uh, if things that we're doing are effective or not. And that's part of the beauty of intercession because there are many times where we would get uh, a, a, a wrong interpretation of something that happens uh, on earth because we see a change. Uh, we think our work is done, you know, uh, and this is something that we have to be careful about. Uh, as believers, when you start seeing things turn around to get better, uh, we tend to get off of our watch. We just, well, you know, it's done now so I can quit praying. You know, that's always the first thing that wants to jump into somebody's mind, especially if you don't understand intercession very well. and You're not committed to it, that kind of stuff. Um, I always tell people, I said, you know, when I was younger in the things of God, if things start to look better, uh, I would get excited and, and, uh, you know, ease up on the intensity of my prayer or, you know, not be as watchful over it as I was. And then pretty soon it got back bad again because I quit walking by faith and start walking by sight in things. Amen. It's the same thing with, with people who are, are battling disease and illness. You know, uh, people will say things, especially things like cancer. People say things like, well, they've had a, um, what do they call it? A, a remission. It went into remission. Uh, and, and we are claiming healing. You know, we, we say it's healing, but you know, my, my experience has taught me to keep standing on the word, to keep declaring people healed. Amen. No matter what you see. Even when they get better and they're five years cancer free, keep declaring them healed. Amen. Because the enemy has a tendency when we're not as vigilant over things as we should be or could be, he has a tendency to increase his efforts. Amen. He can always intensify his. Now don't, don't, you know, think that, that you're clear all the time when things get better visibly. Amen. We don't walk by sight. We walk by faith. And so your faith, well, your knower on the inside of you will tell you when to not pray anymore, when to lighten up on prayer, when to. I, I told people, I said, if you look at my prayer manual, I've been praying for people for health for some of them 25 years and never quit. Because I just don't erase people out of off my list, period. They stay on there. Once I put them on there, they stay there. That's better than trying to figure out if they got better or not and then take them off because you think you're tired of praying or you got something else to do. You understand what I'm saying? And so that way you make sure that those person's needs are covered because you have no idea what twists and turns may happen in their lives. So you want to keep them before the Lord in a good way, you know, to continue to be blessed in hell. Father, they're healed and they're symptom free. And I thank you to keep them healed. Amen. Or just call out their name before God as you read off that that healing prayer. Just call their name before God. And I thank you, Lord, that they are the healed of the Lord. Satan, you can't 
come back and put this on them a second time. Amen. And and uh, seal it up. Keep it sealed up. You know, make it your your priority to watch over these souls and make sure that they stay in good health and that they are are walking in in a peace with God, in a, a wholeness, in a contentment. And the enemy's not stealing from them. That's what you want. You want that kind of wholeness and soundness in people, so that uh, you can know that that uh, you're on top of things as far as their needs are concerned. The enemy is not getting an advantage over them. None of that's happening because you stay on your watch. So then how are intercessors called? We we talked a little bit about this the last time, but you need to understand the call of God to intercession. And we saw a couple of them. I think last week we looked at Isaiah 6, 8, where God says, who shall go for us and who shall I send? Amen. And that's the call from heaven for somebody to go and give a response on God's behalf. And so God always needs somebody down here. You know, you say things like, well, he's got angels he can send, not for everything he can. Not not for the things that man has dominion over. And don't try and second guess God and tell him how to do his business because just say, well, God, if that's what you need, I ain't the one. Ask somebody else. You understand what I'm saying? If you, you want to argue about it, God's not for arguing. He's looking for volunteers. And so there is a call that God goes out in the realm of the spirit. And this is where, uh, what I mentioned earlier about things happening in the spiritual realm and why they're so effective because they're done in the, in the invisible realm. See, in the in the invisible realm, he's calling for intercessors. He said, I need somebody to go. I need somebody. Now, you need to understand this. This is this is why God just can't send anybody and you can't tell him who to send besides you because you don't want to go. Amen. You don't dictate to God because you don't even understand how this works. And so far be it from us to want to manipulate things and tell God how to do his job. He's the head of the church. He thought this plan up, so he knows what he's doing. But the fact that man has dominion on the earth, that never went away. When he called the man and the woman to him, he said, I give you dominion over the fish of the sea. Everything that's on this earth, man has not just dominion, whatever that means. Most people don't have a good concept of what that means. But what that means is you have responsibility. So we're responsible for the earth. We're responsible for what goes on down here. We, I know we don't feel like it, and we may think, well, my goodness, if I'm responsible, how did things get in such a mess? <laughs> I wasn't planning to mess things up, you know. Nobody ever is, and that's why it's good that we have God up, <clears throat> God calling the shots and, and straightening things out for us. He's He's still straightening the earth out. Amen? Because he still wants to get a harvest of souls from the earth. He's not satisfied with, with who he's, who he's harvested so far. He wants more. God always wants more. He wants his whole, he's not willing for anybody to perish. He wants everybody to come to repentance and a knowledge of the truth so that they can, can live for him and they can live the life he's ordained for. We still have a life to live in God. 
penalty. We still have we still have that before us. Whatever it is God ordained for us, that's still on on the agenda. And he wants us to live out our lives doing the things that he ordained us to do from the foundation of the earth. All the hell that the devil's pulled down here has not stopped God from saying, nope, I got a people down there and they're going to do my will. I got a people down there and they're going to pull this out. They're going to bring heaven down here on earth yet. I have a people. Amen. No matter what the enemy does, if, if you look at some of the things that people are doing to themselves these days, uh, mutilating their bodies and calling themselves, I identify as a cat and a dog and all this, you know, how depraved. And the devil just laughs. Said, look at them. I got them to act like animals after all. I've been wanting to do that for the longest time. Or I've been wanting to chop them to chop their bodies up so they can be something other than God created them to be. And now I've got them doing it. See? And so this, as long as the enemy is, is trying to thwart God's plan for humanity, strip us of our God, God given identity, we're made in his image. He's been trying to destroy that for the longest time. Amen. And so as long as the devil is doing that, God's going to be sending intercessors to stand in the gap. He's going to be sending help. He's going to be calling out people who are going to do his will and preach the gospel, not just preach the gospel, but we're going to have to pray. And we're going to, you know, we think people think like, you know, souls fall out of trees like cherries, ripe cherries. Somebody has to intercede for those people before they can fall out of the tree like ripe cherries. You don't just walk up to people and, and you know, uh, you want to pray for them or lead them to the Lord or something. There's some groundwork that has to be laid, and only God knows what that is. And so, you know, if he told us everything, we'd be wanting to change it. God didn't don't take all that now. I know I can get I can get ten people one to you, and, you know, it won't take much prayer at all. You understand what I'm saying? I always want a shortcut or tell God what to do or or better yet, we don't want him to do it his way. We'd rather him just leave it to us so we can half do it. And so God wants everything done. You didn't get halfway saved when you got saved. You got all the way saved. Somebody prayed enough for you to make sure that when when God stepped into your life, you embraced him 100%. Amen. And it was no doubt about it. You got saved for sure. It was no halfway conversion or, you know, I'll, I'll make a commitment when I'm, I'm done sinning. You know how people like to think I'm, I'm having a good time right now. You know, I'm, I'm not thinking about that. You know, they think salvation is for somebody who's on the deathbed or halfway dead or can't kick it no more, you know? And, and so nothing can be farther from the truth. So many people, uh, they give their lives to the Lord at a young age. Um, some of them never live long enough to fulfill. They get martyred before they even get to be the age of people who are still trying to decide. And you think to yourself, Lord, here's somebody that is sincere about you and they didn't get to live long to preach much at all. And here's somebody that's out here doing any and everything, running in and out of church and backsliding and doing all kinds of stuff. And God loves all of us. Amen. He loves the backslider. He <laughs> loves the the obedient servant. He loves everybody. And so we we can't ever 
judge God. You know, you, you don't, never know what his mind is telling him needs to be done. And, and this is why you have to be respectful of God's sovereignty when he calls people. You have to be respectful that he has work to do and he knows what he's doing in this this uh, gospel endeavor. So uh, we had Isaiah 6 and, and he was called uh, when Isaiah was called and he answered the call, um, uh, who who shall go? Who shall we who shall go for us and who shall we send? And uh, let me see where is this. Yeah. In verse eight. Also, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? Then I said, Here am I, send me. This is an assignment given in the Spirit. Amen. This is a call of the Spirit because he was, Isaiah was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. And, and he saw this vision and, and got on the throne and, and the angel came and touched his mouth with a live coal and sanctified his mouth. And, and when God calls you to do something, he equips you. Uh, he, he, uh, sets you apart so that you can be useful for him. You can hear only from him. You can obey him. All of that is set up already as part of your spiritual equipment when God calls you and when you respond to the call. So when you respond to the call of intercession, he gives you all of the equipment that you need. And see, this is something that uh, many times people don't really understand very well because the first thing that happens when you find that God's called you to do something, you feel like, whoa, wow, I don't know anything about that. You know, that's that's everybody's response. So I said yes, but I didn't know what I was saying yes to, you know. And then you find out a little bit later there was a lot in that yes, but also in that was was the assurance. I mean, you had to have some kind of confidence in God, some kind of way to even say yes to something you didn't even understand and you didn't know anything about. And so whatever it was that caused you to say yes is still there and it's still working. And it's still going to help you. It's still going to cause you to do all the things that you need to do in God. See, it just will. And so once you understand what God is doing and what he is uh, saying to you, and you take your first step of faith, and that is, God, what do you want me to pray for? How do I pray? What do you want me to say? And many times God will connect you with other like-minded saints who will will help you on your journey. Uh, you cannot do this by yourself. There's no way to know on your own uh, everything there is to know. And this is where uh, the body of Christ gets to be very, very effective uh, because you find that once you start connecting with people who have the same call of, of intercession – and if you stay with the right people and stay with the work and understand what your work is and allow God to uh, keep you in that place of, of uh, working and allowing um, uh, allowing his spirit to direct you and guide you and continue to empower you, uh, you start to depend on God even more and more. And I think that's when your intercessory prayer life will start to take off and you'll start to see results because you begin to realize that, you know what, God, you call me to do this. 
you've done everything you've done you've done supernaturally you didn't have to have anybody's permission all you had to have was my yes answer and then this whole realm opened up to me that i never knew existed before and and this is the beauty of the things of the spirit is that once god has your permission and he has your attention then he will bring into your life the other things that you need to make you effective in what you're doing. So when Isaiah called, was, was called to the ministry, he was called as a prophet, but we know the prophet is always the intercessor. He, there is no prophet's office without a prayer life. And I mean a, a prayer life that, that delves into the deep things of God that has to touch God to get an answer. You just can't take uh, what you've had as an answer, as a final answer. You've got to get with God to get his reassurance that, that you're on the right track, that uh, he wants you to do this. You have to be able to have that dialogue with God, talking to him. And, uh, God, what, what do I do next? Is this, is, this, is this all I need to do? I mean, don't I need something else? You know, all that kind of stuff. So this, this is a, a relationship, and it's a relationship of mutual benefit because God benefits from what you, you contribute if, if you have nothing but questions. Uh, God understands that you need to have answers and he knows where to go to help you, what, what areas you need help in. And so the intercessor has to have a, an, I would say an unfettered relationship with God. Amen. A clean, open relationship with God where you can talk to him about anything and he'll respond to you. Uh, you trust him and he trusts you. And and you can ask God anything. A lot of times people want to go to God about things and then they think, well, I shouldn't ask that because if I do that, it's doubt. And I don't want him to see I got doubt. Well, he knows it anyway. So you might as well confess it and get it out of the way. Amen. And so these things, um, not only are you following an assignment with God, but you're also developing a relationship with him. And this relationship is what other people will see and gravitate to. Um, it's not how you project who you are and, and you know, you, uh, you seem confident or you seem knowledgeable. Or you can quote all these scriptures or, you know, you can talk all this revelation and stuff. It's really not about that, but it's more about um, people can sense that there's a confidence in God that you carry and they know that they can rely on that when they have a need. And so as intercessors, you're going to find that uh, there's a a different aspect of drawing toward you of people who are somewhat needy. And when I say needy, I just mean they don't have answers for themselves. Uh, they need answers. Uh, they know that God has the answers, but they don't quite know how to get to him to get the answers for themselves. Um, I would encourage you to not feel um, um, put upon when people ask you for help. Always be gracious. 
uh, always be helpful, uh, you know, in being able to identify with there was a time in your life when you didn't know. You know, there was a time in your life when these things were new to you and you but you desperately needed help and you needed it like yesterday. And so you may find yourself being uh, approached by people who will ask you to pray for them for certain things and all of this. And, and sometimes you'll you'll be able to uh, pray with them. And that's something I encourage people to do is always pray with those people because the prayer of agreement is what will be answered without fail. You know, any two of you agree is touching anything that they ask, God says he'll do it for them. And this is a way to increase people's responsibility for their own their own prayer needs, increase their knowledge, increase their awareness, increase everything. And it's a way for you to be able to give people understanding about God's ways. And so, and you think to yourself, well, I don't know that much myself. Well, you must know something because they came to you for help. See, if they came to you for help, it's because God told them to. You got me? So, I know many times we've got people around us that seem to bug us all the time for prayer and can't seem to walk across the street by themselves without you helping them prayer-wise. But you got to understand, too, that God has called you to be a strength to them and that because you have uh, opportunity to pray for people, you have support here, you're not in it by yourself. So you're not there holding up everybody on your own power. You have people in your midst who are called to the same work and they they strengthen you. Now, they may not, you don't have to tell the people that you're involved with in ministry that you need help praying for people they just pray for you amen they just you're in a support system that upholds each part so that there's no part that's lacking so you know it's it's not necessary all the time for you to ask uh say somebody else that you know who's strong in prayer to pray for you or pray with you and things but you can sense their strength when you pray, that you're not just beating the devil's head by yourself and not getting anywhere. You're getting somewhere with your prayer. And that's because of corporate agreement in the word. See, we agree corporately for every prayer that we pray. Every word that we pray, we're in agreement already corporately. So say, for instance, somebody does need prayer for healing. There's already agreement that they're healed in the atmosphere where you're familiar with. So you're in an atmosphere already where they are healed as far as we're concerned. They're healed already. So you step into that strength when you begin to pray for them. So you're not just picking their need up, you know, with with not much to go on but your own faith. You're you're operating in a corporate faith that's already established for you, that's already set down a, a table for you and a groundwork for you. So once you step into that arena of of um, praying for another individual, what you are doing, you're bringing with you all of the prayer of all of the watchmen in this ministry. Amen. 
and all of the faith that they have for that person to be 100% healed. So it's not like you're out there fighting the devil and if, if, you know, if you don't get this prayer through or something, you know, happens to you, they're not going to know. It gets picked up. Amen? It gets picked up in the corporate realm. So there's, you're coming into agreement with people who already have agreed that that person is healed before they ever made the call to you, before they ever talked to you, before they ever released that burden to you. They stepped into a pool of health just by giving it to you, you see. And so you're able now to transfer and dip them over into the pool of health. That's why when you finish praying for people, sometimes you have no doubt in your mind. You ever had that feeling there's no doubt that that person's healed? Because you step into an atmosphere that's already engaged and immersed in health. There's no unbelief in here. You got me? Unbelief died a long time ago. And we don't let people verbalize unbelief on people's prayers around here. You don't get to argue about whether you think somebody's uh ready to be healed or deserve to be healed or there's no sin in their life or any. You don't get to debate that. You just get to agree with the word because the word's going to take care of all of it. Amen. If there's sin in their life, trust me, the Holy Spirit will convict them of it and they can repent and ask forgiveness and get their healing. So there's no stop. There's no, there's no, what, what can I say? Exception to the faith rule because as long as they can believe, all things are possible. You understand what I'm saying? Now, if sin is hindering your faith, get the sin out. It's easy to get rid of. Just confess it. Amen? And and so this is a kind of a done deal. We just allow people to step into the pool of healing. Now, if there's something happens and it goes on for a while and they've got no results yet, then we can go back to God and God said, what else do we need to do here, Lord? This person wants to be healed. You've got to give us something else. You understand what I'm saying? And and let it go like that. But understand that when you you take on another person's burden, you're fulfilling the law of Christ. That's Christ's law. He was a burden bearer. And so he's on your side when you undertake to pray for somebody. God is on your side. Amen. And no devil in hell can stop that prayer from getting answered and getting answered according to God's word. So so this is the way you have to approach it with your faith. And see, God gives you all of that just from the one time you said, send me, Lord. Here I am, Here I am Lord, send me. He gave you all of that equipment. And see, the reason it works so wonderfully is because you don't have to know what he's doing in the natural. You just have to trust that he, if he called you, he knows how to equip you. He knows what you need. He knows how to do all of the things that are need to be done. He's not going to let you hold up anybody's healing. Amen. He'll send you help. You're not over your head. You're, you, you're not never overwhelmed in your assignment. You always, the assignment fits you perfectly and you fit it perfectly. So when, when you're called, God gives you, uh, stuff to unpack. Uh, I was looking at it the other day and I thought, boy, I, God is, is so wonderful. He just thinks of everything. Uh, 
And if you go to Mark chapter 6, um, Jesus, uh, this is after the uh, woman with the issue of blood. He healed her and told her that her faith made her whole. And then over in 6, it says here, 6 verse 5, I'll start there. Uh, verse four, the, you know, people were trying to be too familiar with him and, you know, your mama out here and your kids out, you know, that kind of stuff, you know, just, just kind of pulling him down to their level kind of thing. And he said, a prophet is not without honor, but in his own country, among his own kin and in his own house. And he could there do no mighty work save that he laid his hands on a few sick folks and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. And he went round about the villages teaching. And he called unto him the twelve and began to send them forth two by two and gave them power over unclean spirits and commanded them that they should take nothing for their journey, uh, save a staff only, no scrip, no bread, money in their purse, but be shot with sandals and not put on two coats. But the, the thing that, 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 uh, uh, amazed me was in verse 13. It says, and they cast out many devils and anointed with all many that were sick and healed them. This whole thing that Jesus met when he met with unbelief in his own hometown, he went about and corrected it. And got a little bit of results. But when he said, who shall go for us? Who shall I send? He didn't say it here, but this is the same call. Intercessors are evangelists. They are people that go forth with the message of the good news. And that's all of us. All believers fall in that category. And it says here, he called them and he gave them power over and told them exactly what to do and they went out and did it and look at the great results that came after he drafted some people to help him out and this is the intercessor you're the person who's drafted to help god out amen he gives you power think about if any of you have been at this for a while think about over the years all the people that you have seen that god has healed just on your prayers that that have got fought cancer and got immediately better and i mean and i don't mean lingering but i mean immediately better uh some of them who'd had to struggle for a while but they had enough faith in god to keep going why do you think they keep going every day somebody's praying for them it's your prayers don't ever underestimate the power of your little old prayers. And I know most of us sit up and halfway yawning through the prayer and, and halfway <laughs> praying in tongues under our breath and nodding off into tongues and all that kind of stuff. But you wake back up and keep on going. He didn't tell you to quit just because you couldn't stay awake one time or two or every time. I don't know. Some people go to sleep every time. I used to pray with people, all my prayer partners worked in the day and wanted to pray at nine o'clock at night and i thought well that's kind of late but we go go for it anyway before the prayer was over they'd be asleep you understand what i'm saying <laughs> but we finished them prayers up sleep or wake 
And so this is this is what you got to – there's a grace there. There's a mercy there for us. Amen? There is a mercy there for us that keeps us going every single time. Amen? Like David said, you know, David never boasted in how well he did anything. That's that's one thing I liked about him. He 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 would always throw himself on God's mercy because he knew it said, "It's something I'd have done, I'd have messed up because things ain't going right around here." <laughs> you know, he find out what it was and go and repent and ask God to forgive him. He got up and kept going. That's all God expects of us: is not quit. Don't let the fact that that you made a mistake make you quit. Amen. Because there are many more mistakes to be made, if not by you, other people, that he's going to have to forgive. And so he's already built that into the equation. I will have to forgive so-and-so X number of times for going to sleep on her prayer. Amen. And and so he just keeps us, he wants us to keep going and not quit. That's important to him. And so uh, here Jesus, and they cast out men and healed a lot of people. So he increased his ministry twelvefold just by anointing those disciples with power. Amen. So they became the who shall go for us, who shall I send, hear my send me type people. Amen. And he's always looking for people like that. He's looking for people who want to pray for more than just what they want from him. Amen. Those really aren't intercessors. Those are, you know, believers, you know, and that's fine. And some of them may pray for some stuff. But if you don't really respond to the call of God to do that as a service for him and present your body a living sacrifice, God, I'm I'm going to. Uh, t- you know, whatever you need me to pray for, or you start praying for people. People, you know, when people run across your mind, that's a sign for you to pray for them. It's, you know, if you're an intercessor, you know how to, you know what their need is, or if you don't know what their need is. You know, there are many times I'll say, well, God, whatever so-and-so needs today, could you give it to them, please? Could you give it to them, please? Amen. There was a, a, a lady I, I'd known her off and on. Uh, uh, over the years, you know, either through contact, not sure how I con, most people I contact, I know because they contact the ministry and, uh, ministers especially, I kind of tend to want to make sure I understand what their needs are, you know, because uh, some of them are so, they have so much responsibility, you know, and things of that nature, but I always like to make sure I understand what their needs are. And this person, uh, I just felt to um, text that person. I saw what they were doing on Facebook. And, you know, I just see it over over a period of time. You just watch and say, oh, yeah, she's doing this now. Wow, what a project, you know. And I saw how she had, she said, four vans loaded with food for Thanksgiving for families. And I'm thinking, how does one person do all that, you know. Um, and I told the Lord, I said, Lord, whatever she needs today, just give it to her. She's 
doing this. She's taking on responsibility for, for you and whatever she needs. So I just texted her and I told her, I said, boy, I'm so thankful you're doing that. I said, this is such a needed thing. And I told her, I said, you know, we've, we've fed the poor over the years, but we've had to cut back recently for different reasons. But I see you're still out there. I said, that is such a blessing. I said, just, just know God appreciates that. And so she texted me back uh, the next day, I think. She says, well, I thank you for that. She said, because yesterday I made up my mind I was going to quit. She said, but I decided I'm going to keep going. She said, if God told you to encourage me yesterday, she said, I know that was God answering me and telling me he's still with me and not give up and not quit. And see, that's intercession. It's an encouraging word. Intercessors don't come to bring you bad news. And if you're an uh, intercessor, you should have a word of encouragement in you for everybody, you know, all the time. Uh, We should never have discouraging words for people. We should never tell people that, you know, well, God told me you shouldn't be doing that. You know, that's a man's job or, you know, any kind of nonsense like that can throw a curveball and you never know how people how delicate their commitment is because of what they're going through and what they're faced with to have to do the job that god called them to do and uh i conversed with her a couple times since then and she was very encouraged and she said and she works full time and when she gets off work she goes and feeds people now this ain't something small folks but still god strengthens her to do it because she has a heart to do it Whatever you have a heart to do, God will equip you. He will strengthen you. He will put you in position to do it and do it to his glory and do it well. And if if you looked at, I looked at some of the photos, you know, all, over a period of time, I just watch how she sets the food up. It's so beautiful and clean and, you know, just restaurant style and i don't even know what kind of background she has if she's professional or not but you know god can make you professional at things and she said in an hour in fact the last report she gave me was a few days ago um it helped me get up off my sick bed (laughs) or my symptom bed (laughs) but it encouraged me because in and she does this so efficiently she said uh in an hour we fed over 125 people 125 meals in an hour she said we open at five they were lined up at four so people are hungry folks don't ever don't ever look down on somebody who's feeding somebody or you know people who need food and will go and stand in line and wait for it because nothing's coming any other way and thank god for people like that you know, that will will do the Lord's will consistently, you know, and we're going to help her financially every month. You know, we are, you know, what, whatever we need to do. We, we, we have, I sell books. My book money goes to her. You understand what I'm saying? She needs the help. She's serving God and she's giving people what they need. Loving on them, you know, no, no looking down on them because of where they're at. You understand what I'm saying? She has that kind of heart. And so uh intercessors are called to do many things. Amen. Where many times God has told me, he said, well, if you want to help them, you better send them a check. He said, prayer time is over. You done prayed 
you to pray for financial help. Amen. So you better send it. And, and, you know, he's just, he's allowed me to see how important that is when you, you know, like James says, if you see your brother in need, you say, oh, be blessed, be filled and keep it moving. He said, and you don't do anything to feed him. He said, come on now. What kind of deal is that? And so we're we're to take care of these needs too. She's doing that in our place, see, where we couldn't get out and do it. She's able to do that. And and people here are well fed where we take care of each other, which we have to do. Amen. It's not you do that or this. You have to take care of one another. That's a must as far as God is concerned. And so uh we'll definitely help her out. Amen. We're gonna do it. Everybody say amen. Yeah, because we're going to do it. It's a good thing. Amen. You'll be blessed for it. You'll see a difference in your life. Amen. Through what you do for others. And so intercessors, this is what we do. You have to do everything all the way down the line. Amen. Uh, when it comes to your finances, you have to be willing to punctuate your prayers with an offering. Amen. And just sign it like that. That's I've signed this prayer with my whatever money you put in. Amen. And make things, make it a good life for people. Amen. An easy life. So that's really what intercessors are doing. We, we have come to ease the burden off of humanity. We ease the burden off of humanity. In Ezekiel 22, you'll see another call to intercession. Thank you, Lord. Ezekiel 22 and verse 30, I think it is. God God is rebuking Israel for walking away from him. And um, he's talking about his um, punishment that he's going to have to give to the people. And he says in verse 29, the people of the land have used oppression exercise robbery and have vexed the poor and needy yea they have oppressed the stranger wrongfully and i sought for a man boy does that describe things going on nowadays amen all the people who are being oppressed wrongfully this child trafficking that's so common anymore see you look up and you don't know who they're going to be dragging in the you know under indictment for this stuff next it's just ridiculous and he said and i sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land that i should not destroy it but i found none he looked through all israel me he and he looked i mean it's it doesn't say israel specifically but he would call prophets from other countries from time to time he would just call people Elijah, we're not sure if he was a convert or he uh, he was an Israelite. We think he is. He, they called him a Tishbite, and nobody knows what that is. There's no country called Tish <laughs> or Bite <laughs> in the Bible, and and uh, but that's what he was commonly called. So he was like one of those sovereign people came out of nowhere and started preaching for God, and God will do it. He'll just he'll bring people. 
you know, all the people that you see on on social media prophesying and all that, you don't have to use people you know. He can use people come out of nowhere with a message. He's just testing us to see if we listen for his voice or if we're listening to what's familiar or what we think is approved of already. And so God has a, a very, very unique way of calling whomever he wants to. So, again, this is a spiritual call. Who I looked for a man to make up the hedge and stand in the gap, but I found none. So now I've got to wreak havoc on the land. I don't have any choice but to do this. But God says there was a time I was looking and I couldn't find anybody. See, after the trouble starts and everybody wants to run to God all of a sudden, and there's nothing wrong with that. And many times that kind of intercession can stay God's hand. It can cause God to be merciful again. You just never know. Amen. Hezekiah found that out. Most people would have said, well, God, if you say I'm going to die, I guess I'm going to die. Hezekiah said, can I, can I say one thing, please? <laughs> can I put in a good word for my boy Hezekiah? Amen. It's just true. People, if, if, There are people who know how to find a crack. Uh, in their faith, in their faith, uh, walk, you know, or their, their realm of faith, where they can squeeze something in and ask God for some mercy. Amen. You ever know people like that? I've known a few people like that. They say, we go, we go, <laughs> we go get on our, we go prostrate ourselves. Before you know it, they'd have grabbed you and you down on the floor, sucking carpet with them and crying and carrying on. And I think he gonna do it. You know, they get up and say, I think he gonna do it. <laughs> so it's done. So I mean, you know, there are all kinds of ways of, of of reaching God and touching God. Amen. Don't be don't don't be too proud to beg, as they say. Amen. That's what Hezekiah he begged for his life. You know, you got all kind of faith people telling you that's unbelief. Well, I don't know if God answered a prayer of unbelief or what happened, but somehow he got it straightened out. He he heard him. He answered. Gave him what he asked for, so there must have been faith there. You know, you don't call everything what you think it is. Amen? You just have to do the best you can with what you got. Sometimes tears is all you have. Amen? To offer before the Lord. Sometimes just staying still and just putting it to the test and say, God, I don't feel to move yet until you do something here. You know, I know you're going to help this person. They're too young to leave here yet, Lord. You're not going to let them die. I just don't believe it. You see, just put your unbelief in what the devil's trying to do. Amen. And trust God for, for his mercy. Amen. And th- this is what we need. His, we need to understand that we live off his mercy, not perfect prayers, and not our holiness that he gave us anyway. Now you're taking credit for it as being the reason for why you get stuff. You know, let's not get it twisted. It's his mercy that we're seeking after every time we come before him. And so he says he found nobody. Therefore, I have poured out my indignation upon them. I have consumed them with the fire of my wrath. Their own way have I recompensed upon their heads, saith the Lord God. So God wasn't able to stay the hand of the enemy. He wasn't able to stay the hand of judgment. He had to go through with what he needed to go through with. So um, this is this is what happens when he can't find somebody. 
This is why we stay on our watch. This is why we say, well, Lord, I know one thing. If I don't do this, that, or that for you, I'm going to pray. I know that's what you gave me to do. Amen. And I will continue to do it. And so, you know, and, and, and it's not it's not the kind of life where you can just be free to do whatever you want to do. There's restrictions on your life when you work for God. You have to you have to keep your heart right. You know, he, he has to trust you to to uh, pray holy prayers so they can be you know, you have to hear right. If you if you got junk inside of you, you don't hear halfway right. You know, you got to get that out of you and and live a clean life. Short accounts is what they say. And, and always forgive quickly, repent quickly, uh, learn how to not say everything. Let your mouth say everything that your head thinks. You know, some people is more of a challenge than others. But, uh, you know, those are the things you discipline yourself to. Uh, so that you can hear from God. You can know your assignment and you can gather together the things that you need to complete your assignment. So it's always good to be that person that God can send. And I'm not talking about volunteering for every job in the church, but I'm talking about a, a spiritual call to intercession. See, those things are natural jobs and, and they need to be done. And if you're free to do them, do them, you know, and, and make sure you stay around to make sure make sure things are done right, you know. But it's it's sometimes beyond the natural what God is calling us to. Uh, natural things require a certain amount, but then there's a supernatural that has a, a much different requirement to it. Uh, so a requirement for spiritual work is always going to be consecration to God. You've got to be sold out to God. You can't spend uh, half your life playing around in the devil's camp and the other half trying to be a holy person. You've got to decide who you are. And uh, once you decide who you are, stick with that. If you're uh, going to be called out to God, then then be that called out person and, and, and live accordingly. Don't try to live, you know, halfway. You know, just over here one day and over there the next day. You got to be find one address that God can find you at and stay there. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Just give Him one address that you're gonna be at forever, and let Him yeah, let yourself be found there. Amen. That's it. God is not gonna overburden us. He never does. Uh, he has enough people that He can call on to do certain things. Amen. We don't know how he manages his kingdom. We don't need to know. We just have to know our part. So the intercessor is is there to know their part and to make sure that they fulfill that part that God has given them. So we need to know that God has to use man to get his work done on earth. And I started talking about dominion, and dominion really includes responsibility for what goes on here. When there's evil going on here, we're responsible to do something about it. It's not, you're not sitting up waiting on, well, look how bad things are. And this went from bad to worse. I don't know what's going to happen. Yes, you do. You need to get in your Bible and start declaring what's the difference. The difference is what you say is going to happen. See, you make all the difference. We should never be out wringing our hands 
and and uh, confessing that how bad things are. And did you hear what they did now? They're doing so-and-so and such and, and, and gossiping about things that we could really make changes in if we would take them to God and seek him for what changes need to be made and what is our part in getting sure that those, making sure that those changes are done. Uh, that's responsibility. See, that's dominion. And see, we talk about dominion and most of us are a little afraid to try and figure out what that means as far as what we are supposed to do. You know, that word sounds strong and it is strong. It's strong in responsibility. It's not domination, like you're ruling over people and being mean to people. That's not what dominion is. It's a perverted thought that comes to people when they look at that word. But that's hardly what dominion is. When when Adam uh, ruled the earth, he called all the animals by name and they came to him. So if he was mean, why'd they come to him? His wife, too. He talked to everybody. And they responded in in the way he wanted them to. See, that's dominion. What's frustrated people is iniquity. When iniquity comes into dominion, it gets rough. Because if, say, for instance, if if there's a, a household where nobody's obeying anybody, you you might have to get forceful. You know, it's not what you want to do, but you might have to get forceful about things. And as the in the devil put that into the game, as long as he's involved in different stuff, you have to be firm. You have to and you have to take authority. You know, you have to bind and loose. And so what what we do in prayer is we take our our authority over the enemy, but we love people. You don't dislike the people that the enemy's using. Amen, because we can all be used by the devil, trust me. But you love people, you hate the devil. And you might say, well, how do you do that? Good question. See, you need God to give you the answer. And so as far as understanding how to execute dominion now, we still need God. God has to show us. He has to teach us. He has to teach us how to take authority over devils without offending people. How to Bind, bind devils and, and not let people know that we're talking about the devil that's working in them until they're free one day. You understand? You know, and you, you get in your prayer closet. You start hammering that devil. No, that's God's property. You let them go. You can't have him. You should be as hard on a, a, a sexual perversion, lust devil as you are on a sickness devil. A devil's a devil. And you can take authority over all of them and set people free. One of the easier ways to deal with the devil is through intercession and through prayer. You know, you can deal with them up front and cast them out of people, but you got to make sure that you're not um, in any way nervous about it or unsure. That's where you've got to have your faith in it the right way. And you've got to have the right unction to do it. And many times people just don't. And so it's it's not the best policy just to go up to people who are, you know, having a fit or something and want to wrestle with them to get a devil out of them. You shouldn't have to wrestle. The command of faith is enough to, to make the devil leave people, you know. Some people are a little a little challenging, but you don't have to get rough with them. You just keep standing there and 
devil, I told you to go. Now let him go. You know, <laughs> come on now. Um, it's not like a theatrical thing where you got to show in the natural that you have power. The power's on your words. Power belongs to God. It's not your power anyway. So don't don't get personally involved in these things. Just let the anointing teach you. Let the anointing flow through you. And let the anointing give you the unction that you need to get God's work done. Uh, this is not a game. It's not something to get tickled in your flesh about. When the disciples came back from casting out devils, they were all excited. And Jesus told them to stop it. He said, don't get excited about that. Amen. And I always took that as my personal admonishment. It's nothing to get excited about. It's not your power. You just happen to be the person that spoke the word. You know, God could use anybody. So God has to use man to get work done here on behalf of people. So whenever you see people in trouble, God can use you to help them get out of trouble. That's what he wants to do. So he is always looking for someone to work for him and to get man back to him. He wants people set free of the devil's power. God needed someone to prophesy to humanity. In, in Ezekiel, with the scripture we just read, Ezekiel 22, he needed somebody to go and give a word of warning to his people. And he couldn't find anybody. Amen. That's the the telling thing. It's like, where are all the prophets? Where's where's everybody at? That's supposed to be working for God. You know, what happened to that? And we're living in such a time now. We've had so many mega churches that were doing so much for God. And, you know, they're kind of sitting around looking puzzled. They're trying not to look puzzled. But you can tell there's some little puzzlement going on there. Because everybody, if you're honest, we're all a little puzzled. You know, what happened to those people that were really gung-ho and want to learn how to pray and wanted to do this and want to do that and, you know, wanted to learn the ministry. They want to go lay hands on the sick people and all of this kind of what happened to those people, see? So, you know, the devil scored a big score here, no doubt about it. But God has a plan, you know. God's never without plans, but some of the things you see happen, you think, man, you know, I never thought I'd see that happen before, you know. I mean, to to where it is now, you know. And and you can see that people who are trying to rebuild are are trying to get people in any kind of way they can. You know, they're entertaining them to death and all kind of crazy antics that are going on in churches anymore. And, you know, prophesying everything but the kitchen sink and. And one morning you look up and the kitchen sink is on the altar. You know, it's like, boy, we hit rock bottom now. And and it keeps going. And I think it's because God is calling up what he needs in the order he needs it. He's got to call up people that know him and know what he's doing, that know what time it is, what to build, what to put in where, and, and how to do things. So uh, he is doing that, and he's trying to get these things um, done so that in the right order so that this time it'll stand the work will stand because uh, if 
if we couldn't survive something that we shouldn't even fear, like a germ. We had to shut down and not gather together because of fear of that. And trust me, a lot of people say, well, I'm not scared. You don't speak for all of the people, (laughs) all the people in all the churches everywhere. See, there was enough fear of it that shutting down sounded like a good idea. And some of them are still shut down. There's some people who are getting together now. They all wear masks. And there's not many of them. See what I'm saying? Even though they've told people over and over again the masks don't do anything. They don't help anything. But they're hiding behind them anyway because of fear. This, and this is a fear that the body of Christ, it's trickled into our 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 churches, into our people. It was probably there all the time, was never dealt with. Do you understand what I'm saying? And it's something we should be walking in. We want to lay hands on the sick, and we don't believe we can get healed from a bug. See what I'm saying? And so this is something is telling, but God's going to fix it. Amen. Nobody needs to feel condemned or bad about it. God is going to fix it. So when he says he's looking for somebody to stand in the gap, and make up the hedge so that he doesn't destroy this country that we live in and all these other wicked places where people are doing any and everything they can to each other in 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 every in every which way that they want to he's got to have somebody who can understand his heart and pray his heart through so that he can do his plan his, his his is already decided. He's already made up his mind what he's going to do. But it's us. We are the ones that need to get informed of his next step, what a next step is for the church, how we should be responding to things, and what we're going to do in order to be that people that when he says, who can I send? Who shall go for us? Us meaning the the body of Christ, the people of God, the heavenly host, the saints of old. There, there's a great cloud of witnesses that are waiting for us to complete our end, our leg of the relay race. Amen. And so God is looking for somebody who will stand and go for all on behalf of all of those. Excuse me, a dry mouth. All of those who have gone before us so that he does not destroy the land. So, you know, people say, well, I don't know my prayers. Just focus on what he tells you to do. Don't try to find out if your prayers mean all that much or not. You won't know until you pray them. But if you sit here marveling at everything, you may never get the prayer done. You know what I'm saying? So so we just need to go forward and, and be obedient to God's call what he's called us to do and just allow the Lord to to send us to do his will. Amen. All right. Why don't we pray? Father in heaven, we thank you for this opportunity. We come before you, Lord. We bless you and we praise you, Lord. And we we respond to you, to your call again, Lord. It's always good for us to reiterate our our response to you. And Father, we just ask you to today for the backslider we ask you today for the people who through discouragement 
have walked away from your the life you had for them. They're trying to live some other life. Lord, let those people come to themselves, Father. They need to come to themselves so that they can shake off the world, shake off all of the things that are hindering them and hovering over them that are keeping them blind and keeping them from seeing your glorious gospel and the great plan that you have for them. Father, we want you to send us to those who need a word of encouragement. Send us to those who need another day to hold on to what you're doing for them. Send us send us to those who really, really need to work for you and need to respond to your call. Father, we see many people being drafted into your army by our prayers, the prayers that you assign us to pray, because we know those prayers will be answered because they're assigned by you, Lord. You want these people in. So, Lord, we thank you. We take authority over the unholy trinity. Jezebel, you let people go. Ahab, you let them go. Pharaoh, you let them go. In Jesus' name, they don't belong to you. They belong to the Lord. And, Lord, we thank you so much for calling in those souls that are to be saved, calling in those people who are going to be intercessors for you, calling in the prophets who are going to give warning to people who need to be warned. So we thank you for that, Lord. We bless you. We praise you. Fill our mouth with words, Lord. We open it wide, and we thank you, Lord, to fill it with words. And we thank you, Lord, that those words are powerful, that those words are from you. Those words will come to pass, and those words will be right words. So we honor you, Lord. We bless you, and we thank you. We bless you, praise you, in Jesus' name. Amen, and praise God. Amen, amen, amen. We're going to pray and do our declaration, huh? Praise God. I don't have Rona. She don't have me. I can't get Rona. And she can't get me. <laughs> and I can't get, you name whatever it is, you're fighting the devil over. <laughs> Amen. And I take my health back right now. <laughs> thank you, Lord. And we thank you, Jesus, that by your stripes, we are healed. Amen, amen, amen again. It is so decreed. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you.